I pray with all my heart that COP28 will be another critical turning point. Welcome to The Jolt. It's Friday the 1st of December and I'm Sam Morgan, your host. Later in today's show, we're going to be sharing an exciting announcement about The Jolt and what you can expect in the coming weeks and months. First up though, let's take a look at some of the major climate and energy stories making headlines around the world, including of course the latest from the COP28 climate summit in Dubai, which kicked off yesterday. The first big bit of news out of COP is an agreement on a new fund designed to help poorer countries deal with the impacts of climate change. Countries have already started pledging cash for the loss and damage fund, including Germany, which will transfer $100 million. Hosts the UAE have also pledged $100 million, which could exert pressure on other countries that are still classed as developing nations under outdated criteria uh, to dig deeper into their pockets. We're looking at you, China. There will be funding rounds every four years, but countries, all countries for that matter, are encouraged to pay into the fund whenever they can. The agreement does appoint the US-led World Bank as the interim host of the fund though, which for many developing nations had been a red line. Negotiators are hard at work behind the scenes hammering out a compromise on the global stock take which is meant to be one of the main outcomes of the summit. A first draft of the text includes language related to fossil fuel phase-out, no new coal power, peaking global emissions, and tripling renewable energy. It's early days, as much can be changed by the time we get to a final version, but commentators on the ground in Dubai are quietly confident that the process is off to a much better start than at the last meeting in Sharm el-Sheikh. World leaders have also had a chance to regale the summit with speeches and soundbites. British monarch King Charles III urged leaders to take genuine transformational action on climate change, while Brazilian President Lula da Silva vowed to make his country a role model for emission reductions. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi has also offered to host COP33, which would be held in 2028. Just a reminder that we still don't know where the next summit is going to be, let alone the one in five years' time. Uh, US and Chinese leaders Joe Biden and Xi Jinping are not attending the opening of the summit. Moving away from COP, uh, Germany is once again in legal trouble over its climate policies. Last month, a top court said a new climate fund was unconstitutional. Now, a judge in Berlin has ruled that the government is not doing enough to slash emissions in the transport and building sectors. Green NGOs won their case against the government, which is now expected to implement new policies, although, of course, an appeal is likely. It mirrors a similar case in the Netherlands, which forced the government there to enact new policies. One measure that would make a lot of savings, and which the Dutch did end up implementing, is a motorway speed limit, but that will probably be met with immense opposition from Germany's car and motorist lobbies, who love their limit-free autobahns. So just to wrap up, Germany cannot pay for climate policies by going into debt, and the policies it does have in place are not enough. I wouldn't like to be Olaf Scholz right about now. France and Belgium have reopened a canal that links the two countries to shipping traffic after it was closed in the early 1990s. The Condé Pomerul waterway needed extensive dredging and widening works to make it navigable to large barges. 
After seven years and more than 100 million euros of investment, it's ready for ships again. The canal cuts half a day's voyage off the closest alternative route, and both governments hope it will get more freight off the roads and onto boats, helping both countries cut their sizeable transport emissions. The United Kingdom is launching an innovative new heating policy that will oblige boilermakers to sell a certain number of heat pumps as well. Under the clean heat market mechanism due in force next year, companies will have to offset 4% of their boiler sales with heat pumps. It's the first policy of its kind in the world, and the targets will increase with time. Only heat pumps and boilers sold in the UK will count towards the benchmarks, meaning firms will not be able to use exports as a loophole. And sticking with the UK, some households will be paid to use less power this evening, as the country deals with a cold spell and the grid regulator attempts to manage demand. Homes that have signed up to a special scheme with their utility provider will be rewarded with discounted bills if they cut their energy demand between 4.30 and 6pm. The regulator is aiming to save more than 500 megawatts. Poland's state-run oil company Orlen lost 8% of its market value this week, more than 1 billion euros, after the incoming government announced a new tax that will exclusively hit the firm. Orlen will be subject to a special levy that will be used to fund energy price freezes. Uh, the outgoing right-wing party has accused its replacement of deliberately tanking Orlen's shares because its CEO is aligned with the party. It also claims that the new government is preparing to sell the company. And neither claim stands up to much scrutiny. The United States' Supreme Court is leaning towards curbing the powers of federal agencies. The conservative-dominated court has indicated that the Securities and Exchange Commission should not oversee a particular enforcement case, which could have a significant knock-on effect on other agencies, like the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and the Environmental Protection Agency. The final ruling is expected next summer and could limit the capacity of these bodies to enforce their own rules. Uh, this is definitely one to keep an eye on. And on Sunday, Venezuela will hold a referendum on whether to annex oil-rich territory belonging to its neighbour, Guyana. A dispute over the land has raged ever since colonial times, when the Spanish, Dutch and British ruled the various territories. Venezuela's government is now asking the people whether it should be taken by force. Guyana has urged the International Court of Justice to halt the referendum. Political analysts doubt whether Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro would actually use the result to launch a land grab. Instead, it's widely believed that it's a stunt designed to drum up political support ahead of elections next year. Maduro is, however, an ally of Vladimir Putin, and the Venezuelan leader may well have been emboldened by his Russian counterpart's invasion of Ukraine. Worrying developments, indeed. That's it for the news, now let's get into the story of the moment. Today, it's a very special announcement from Foresight. The Jolt has been running for two months now, if you can believe that. We've covered topics as diverse as carbon border taxes, electric car subsidies, Indonesian coal plants and short-haul flight bans. I'd like to thank all of you listeners that have reached out with feedback on the show. It's really appreciated. Please, please keep it coming as we want to provide you with the very best climate and energy analysis and updates possible. But we can't just do that on a three-day-a-week basis, can we? Stuff happens on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well, you know. Uh, that's why we are delighted to announce that as of next week, 
the jolt will hit the airwaves five days a week instead. You'll be getting more of the same bite-sized updates on global stories and a closer look at the important story of the day, Monday through to Friday. I can't pull this feat off alone though, so today I want to introduce the journalist that will be hosting the jolt with me. Kira Taylor has covered energy, climate and environment policies extensively in Brussels, before which she worked as a local politics reporter and covered authoritarian regimes around the world. Kira, welcome aboard. Thank you, I'm delighted to be a part of it. Really excited to get into international climate and energy news and see what's going on in, in the rest of the world. I mean, one of the things that I've quickly realised since doing the job for the last two months, or at least it's reminded me of it, is that there really is no shortage of news to cover when it comes to energy and climate. And that's why I'm really, really happy that we're going to be moving to this daily format, because it really does give us more space uh, to dig into so many more issues. Is there a particular story from your point of view or genre of news that you're really looking forward to following more closely and sharing with the listeners? I think I'm really looking forward to working out the dynamics between different regions because the EU has a very particular way of doing some stuff and the way that that interacts with other regions is not always very positive. So I would love to start looking at it from their point of view and also look at the way that countries like the US, but also maybe those in Asia are looking at how to tackle the climate crisis because I suspect that there are some quite different methods going on in different parts of the world. We've both uh, experienced being immersed in the EU policy and politics world. It's always good to break out of the bubble and get a bit more perspective on what other countries and regions are doing. Is there any far-flung place that you're looking forward to learning more about? That's one of my favourite parts of the job, to be honest. Um, That opportunity to expand your own knowledge about different parts of the world. I think I'm quite interested in India to see particularly how so that but how other things evolve from there. And then an area that I know very little about, a place like South America, to see what happens. Like I just want to know what goes on there because I really I mean aside from maybe um forest policy, which I've covered slightly when it comes to South America and European relations. No clue what goes on there. So if anyone's listening and is involved in South America, hit me up. Let's let's find out. One thing I will caution you on there from experience, we did an episode of The Jolt last week on Argentina and the most challenging thing was negotiating the time zone difference. There's no shortage of people to talk to, but not too many who can chat during daylight hours. So that's going to be something that we're both going to have to deal with, I think. You know how you have a hotel with all the world clocks? I feel like we're going to have to do that for our offices. We're going to have to know exactly what the time zone is everywhere. Yeah, I I want to cover something about Papua New Guinea, but there's no one awake at the moment. Uh, Let's talk COP28. It's finally here. The summit kicked off yesterday. There is a lot to keep track of, of course. That agenda is packed to burst in. Does anything in particular jump out at you as being particularly important and something that we're going to have to keep an eye on? I think it would be hard not to mention the fossil fuel phase out, particularly in light of what the UAE may or may not have been doing in the background of this. And then, I mean, finance is always a big one. You know, we had Eamon Ryan talking about that uh, earlier this week. So, yeah, I think those are kind of the key things that I would be watching. I think the global stock take might actually just get a bit overlooked because I suspect that whatever is said, we sort of already know. 
Um, so maybe we ought to put a bit more focus on that because I think one of the, the dangers with this type of reporting is that we think, oh, we already know that we're in danger of passing the 1.5 degree increase, whereas actually it's quite a serious thing if that's what the global stock take shows. I guess it might be a hangover from doing the recent episode of the Policy Dispatch or other podcast, um, one of the episodes on it. But I'm really interested in seeing how the topic of methane emissions develops. There seems to be a lot of real momentum at the moment. Uh, China came out with a new plan on it. The US is going to start charging people who pollute. Uh, there's this new EU law on methane emissions. Uh, so things are certainly happening whether that can feed into the COP process and maybe emerge as a bit of a success story from the summit, I guess that's going to be something to watch. It'll be really difficult for everyone to agree on other things, uh, so this might be an easyish win of sorts. Um, looking looking ahead to next year, I guess, 2024 will continue to be a really big year uh, for all the kind of stories that we cover. Uh, climate and energy is absolutely not the niche topic it was even just a couple of years ago. Um, I think I read somewhere that more people will vote next year than have ever voted before in human history because there's going to be elections in India, the United States, the European Union and many more. Um, as we know, elections means changes in policy quite often. Uh, will they be for the better as far as energy and climate is concerned? Who knows? Uh, politics are a tricky beast after all. Um, any predictions for next year, Kira, at all? I think one thing with elections that coming from the UK I wasn't really aware of before I started working in Europe is that when you have an election for most places you then have a period of time where there's coalition talks and that actually tends to create a gap in policy making. So I think we're both going to have the big campaign pledges, we're going to see things like climate change be an issue possibly not always talked about hugely positive. We've already seen that in Europe that it's it becomes a political issue and not always in a good way. And then there may be a brief pause where actually people then work out what the power dynamics, I mean, for Europe, what the next commission uh, will be, what the new European Parliament will look like. And then, I mean, for Europe as well, 2040 target is going to have to be discussed more. And, you know, we're coming up to midway through the 2020s and there's a lot of targets worldwide for 2030. So, hopefully implementation of those at some point. Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be really interesting to keep tabs on this implementation period that we're, we're well and truly entering now and also to see how much finger-pointing and naming and shaming will go on. You know, if regions like the EU do really start to decarbonise as planned and expected and loads of progress is made, um, how long until leaders start getting really explicit in what they say to their counterparts in, in other countries, in other parts of the world where the transition is maybe not happening as quickly. Um, UN Sec Gen, Antonio Guterres, he's been really explicit lately in the cause of climate change. You know, it's burning fossil fuels. It's very simple. Um, maybe we'll see other leaders become a little bit braver in that regard too. You do sort of need someone from the UN to do that because, like you say, there, is, there does become an issue where you know, a European leader point, starts pointing fingers. You need someone who isn't connected to a country to be able to push things forwards. Well, it's going to be a busy time then. Uh, good job we're going to be having this daily format to cover as much of these developments as possible and bring you, the Jolt's loyal listeners, hopefully, something invaluable five times a week. Uh, again, Kira, really happy to be co-hosting this with you and I can't wait to get started. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you.
Many thanks for joining me for today's Jolt. I'll be back next week on Monday for much more of the same. And Kira will take the reins for the first time on Wednesday. Uh, Bite-sized updates, a look at the story of the moment, and of course the latest from the ongoing COP28 Climate Summit. I hope you can join us. In the meantime, check out the new episode of The Policy Dispatch, as well as two deep dives on aviation and shipping from the latest magazine. Thanks once again to everyone at Foresight for helping to make the jolt possible, and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of the jolt. Jolt.